0: Ladies and gentlemen, put on your prettiest calico skirt, eat your supper on account, and destroy toxic baby bros with a wink,
1: because it's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> I'm Omen Sade, And I'm Nick McGill. We are Feckless Moans. And this is Talk Tall to Me.
0: A years-long flirtation developing into serious romances, marriage, and finally death with the entire discography of Jethro Tull. Album by album, song by song, a new heartbreak, new butterflies in the stomach, as we kiss Fondle and palpate our way through the history of prog rock band Jethro Tull. Wash your hands because it's about to get
1: sticky. Fondle and palpate are just two really good words.
0: Oh, well, they're they're pretty good actions too.
1: <laughs> oh, Omen. <clears throat> are
0: you are you recovered? Are you all right? I'm good. That was, I just
1: I wasn't expecting either of those but I, I appreciate both of them.
0: Yeah, I appreciate them too. It's been a long time, but I
1: appreciate them. <laughs> We're going to dive in to the second track of Aqualung today. However, we have an email. <gasps> Another email? Another email. Wait, did we have our housekeeper bring it? Yeah, Mary, could you please bring that? <coughs> ah! Coming as fast as I can. Here's your papers. <laughs> this is from Joe H. And his it's message pronounced Josh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Cut that. That was really stupid. That doesn't make any sense.
1: Keeping it. Totally keeping it. <laughs> you brought that upon yourself. <sighs> <clears throat>
0: Your emails,
1: sir. I stumbled into your podcast on Spotify. We get a lot of listeners on Spotify. Yeah. I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Searching for Tull on there. I've been listening on my twice monthly two-hour commute. So now I'm caught up. That's hefty. That's hefty. Every now and then for work, I have to do that. But it's not often. And whew. Two hours is a lot. But good thing you have our lovely voices to talk to you. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with you to do the added tracks to the original albums.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I
1: think it would have been better to do the original album and only do the singles in an order that the compilations were released.
0: Oh. I think
1: I've, I've, since I've read this, I've... Given it some thought, I think if we were to start this now today, knowing what we know, yeah. a we wouldn't, um, <laughs> <laughs> and two, I think I think we would really try to to lay out actual chronology of recording, yeah, because that would be a much more accurate flow of sound, I think the evolution of their sound
0: and uh, joe h to respond uh, we we did talk about that and we we talked about it both ways and we ultimately in our in our foolishness in the madness and fevered dreams of our youth several months ago decided that we were going to just do the bonus tracks because it was more of our personal chronology right Right. Because that was the way that we experienced them. But, but fair point, point taken. You can always, we invite you to not listen again until we've gotten way out ahead of ourselves and then listen to them in whatever <laughs> order you wish.
1: <laughs> and the, the, another issue is the, the problem with the compilations is that there's a lot of repetition. So we'd be chopping out a bunch because we wouldn't be listening to right. locomotive breath nine times
0: but it's a fair observation we are not in fact always doing this in strict chronological order yeah. of their recordings.
1: Yep. Yep, I'll give you that. You caught us, Joey. Any close Josh. Thank you, Josh. Any we close out with I'm looking forward to Aqualung and I've been listening to the album for the last few days. Ooh. That's a great way to get into the next few episodes is to kind yeah. of refamiliarize yourself with the album. I mean, that's what I I do. I I listened to that, that album a couple of times. And even as we go through and we're say we're halfway, three quarters of the way through by that point, it's not a matter of me wanting to refamiliarize myself. It's me having gained new appreciation for it. So I do want to go back and listen to it again. For real. I know I, I I've done that with the last three albums and I'm sure it will continue.
0: Is there any more of Joe's email?
1: That was it. That was it. Just a, a quick one. Yep. Really appreciate it. Thank you so Joe, much, thank Joe. Thank you so much.
0: We love being with you in your ears, in your brain during your commute. It reminds me of the old fable about the prince who was set in an impossible task to find a suitor to see who could shorten a road, and all kinds of scientists and people tried to do it, and no one could and then a nice young woman walked with him and chatted with him while they walked down the road and the road seemed much shorter a children's story about relativity
1: <laughs> wow nick are you are you there wow well, yeah that was i would have just used like a road saw just
0: a road saw yeah well um you <laughs> you uh yeah <laughs> so, Nick Omen What do we have the pleasure of talking Tull
1: about this week? This week, track number two off of Aqualung It is Cross-Eyed Mary Let's close one eye and have a listen That's not what cross-eyed is No,
0: I'm closing one eye so I can see straight
1: Oh, Mary <laughs> Nick McGill, (laughs) Omen Sade. Wow, what a romp! Oh, so good. I love this song.
0: This is one of those songs that when I first listened to it at at the tender wee age of 15, before I was corrupted, I had no idea really what it was about. I, I had the sense that it was about a character. And that was it. It was just sort of like texture and mood and images. Yeah. But I... I don't think I have appreciated how truly um radical this song is until like about 30 seconds ago.
1: Yeah, I, no joke, like until I had actually sat and read the lyrics along with it. I mean, I I yeah. knew I knew the mm-hmm. the rough the, the rough feel that they were going for, but until I read those lyrics, woo. I did not know the extent that they went to, and it—it's, oh, it's just so much. It's even better now, knowing how how gritty it is.
0: Yeah, that's a great word for it. It's gritty and it's real and it's it's playful, and it's yeah. bloody, and dirty and life affirming.
1: It's uh, it's like when you stub your toe and scream, "I feel so alive."
0: Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you stub your sixth to last toe and you scream, I've still got five. Sixth S- to last toe? What happened to the last four? <laughs> it's been a bad it's been a bad week for the Clearly.
1: Coast.
0: Let's dive in musically to wet our palate for the lyrics. Yeah. What strikes you musically about this song? what sticks out to you
1: just that initial flute Uh, oh it's so good it's so good to go from benefit which is flute heavy to the next album that starts with aqualung which is a super hard rock song with no flute at all to then go into cross-eyed mary which starts with that
0: he makes us wait for it he makes us
1: beg for the flute and it's so Uh, worth it and he gives it to us yeah that whole opening sequence
0: Oh my gosh! Is, the
1: build it's, is crazy. It's like a dream sequence. I could see interpretive dance being done to that. Okay. There is such a soft, like sloping buildup, and then it's just a, just a punch in the face. I sort of feel like,
0: if Benefit, if the flute action on Benefit was like, kind of a raging, a raging misty coastline of waves uh-huh this flute is like a fire hydrant pointed right at me oh
1: yeah yeah this it's whole flute hydrant these last two songs for sure
0: it's just so focused it's so it knows so much what it is
1: yeah yeah it's so it's it's a lot like i think you could say that the just like how Ian found his voice, maybe he kind of found a, a home for the flute, too. I'll I'll give you a home for the flute. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that's where I was going.
0: You, yeah. I do feel like this album feels much more mature musically than Benefit. And and I'm not and that's not a, a negative judgment on Benefit, because as you know, I love Benefit. But I do feel like there is a better, more economic and more purposeful use of musical resources on this album
1: it feels more produced for sure
0: and i wonder i wonder if some of that is the john evans influence how so well there's something about a keyboard player that they see music differently than than a, than a guitarist huh. or or a drummer who basically, okay you know you know, because they see all the notes, and so there's there's a there's a sense that you you have to arrange things a bit more. Maybe it's more of a Terry Ellis influence from the outside. Maybe maybe it was the producers being you know channeling the music into something else, or maybe it was just the general maturity of it. But I do I feel like there is a there's a more purposeful audience engaged. Like this song has a deliberate effect on the listener.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think it's a lot of factors. I mean, it could be.
0: Of course, could yeah. be
1: It could be Terry Ellis, like you said. Like, they're trying to sculpt this album in a certain direction. Could be John Evan being officially in the band now and having more of a say, maybe. Could be Dee Palmer having I was gonna more say that. of a yeah, contribution, too.
0: Okay, question for you, Nick. Yeah. Do we hear the use of the Mellotron in this buildup? Oh. Because if you listen, there's this sort of choral voices backing that comes in. Oh, gosh, I would
1: need to re-listen to it. I suggest that you do I'm going to. I'm going to do that.
0: But it sounds to me like some sort of a synth, but I know from history that I don't think that the synth had been invented yet.
1: Oh, synth was created very early on, but they were big and chunky and difficult to do.
0: And we don't think that, that they were using a synth in this case.
1: There it is. Yeah. Yep. Oh God, it's light. So after having just listened to it again, I I do think that it is because it's only very specific sounds, specific sweeping sounds that could very very easily have been recorded onto tape and then inserted into Mellotron or whatever magic has to happen for that. <laughs> but it's 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 not until the second the second part of the intro where it starts to pick up a little bit and it's right. so hard to hear back there.
0: It's very judiciously used. I I almost missed it, but it it just sort of becomes a feeling almost.
1: It's very sweeping. It feels like wind blowing through the the trees.
0: On the other hand, then we have Jeffrey Hammond Hammond Playing his bass on this intro, and he literally goes, Doom, 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 yeah. doom, 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 doom. <laughs> cracks me. Up. And then he
1: goes back because he panicked, so he, yeah. <laughs> he yeah, 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 it was a little out of his comfort zone, exactly. And then, uh, Martin's like really chewy guitar when they actually get into it, that bah, 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 does like he's got like got at go? least one pedal bah, bah, bah.
0: Oh, oh yeah oh i love that part <laughs> oh, man,
1: beggar, man, uh, Hander, don't appreciate is... your attitude here
0: well there, it's it's funny cuz it it has that big build up and then finally it takes off and it and it's so worth it and it's so it hits so hard musically yeah and then funnily the end of the song just sort of drops off yeah, cross-eyed Mary. That's it. Yep. It's funny that it has that such incredible build up to arrive and then
1: to leave. It's just as like the name of the song. Bye. Maybe, much like the Aqualung being repetitive with how they they kind of threw those la- those stanzas in again. Yes. Mary's story isn't done. Hmm. Like, this is all I have to tell you about Cross-Eyed Mary right now. Right,
0: right. Yeah, interesting. I like that.
1: I want to write fanfic of Cross-Eyed Mary and Gerald Bostock getting married. It's got to exist I, up there.
0: I hope that you do. I hope <laughs> that you do that.
1: You know Gerald Bostock, right? I don't. It's the the fictional school child who wrote Thick as a Brick.
0: Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Do we want to jump into the the lyrics?
1: Can we address the one of the greatest flute solos of all time?
0: Oh, I guess so, yeah.
1: At about 220? Yeah. Or so. That solo, I can very comfortably and happily listen to that solo. Just that, that whole breakdown over and over.
0: Let's do that now.
1: Let's do it. We'll just put it on repeat.
0: You know what that flute solo is to me?
1: What is that flute solo to you?
0: That flute solo is saying, you know what? I'm not a jazz flautist playing rock and roll. I'm not a rock and roller playing with a flute. I am Ian Mother Loving Anderson. Here is my flute. It is a completely unique sound. Yeah. It's so certain. It's so grounded.
1: And I don't know how many of our listeners know much about the act of playing the flute, you know?
0: Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Like what it takes to play a flute and to produce the sounds that Ian Anderson is producing. Right. Right but there's another podcast that i that i listen to it's called strong songs oh. it's by a guy called kirk hamilton and he'll okay. take songs he'll take generally he'll take a single song and break it down piece by piece and just go through the whole pretty much the whole song and say this is what's happening here musically like music theory instrumentally yeah composition wise and say this is why this is awesome this is what's really cool happening here and every now and then, he has a Q&A episode. And oh. a couple of months back, someone sent in a question about this solo.
0: <gasps> no kidding. I
1: reached out to him and said, hey, can I play this on our show? Because it's really cool. Cross-Eyed Mary's coming up. Can I put it in our episode? And he said, absolutely. Go for it.
0: What? You got that for me?
1: Yeah. So let's take a listen to that.
0: Christmas is coming
1: early. That's it. That's what we're listening to.
0: So now, what's the podcast called?
1: Uh, It's called Strong Songs. And so now an excerpt from
2: Strong Songs. Our next question comes from Jack, who writes, Jethro Tull's Cross-Eyed Mary has some kind of a flute solo in the middle of it that sounds like it makes a noise, kind of like one of those ratchet noisemakers. What is making this strange sound? Well, Jack, I'm glad that you asked. That is Ian Anderson playing flute in Jethro Tull, and as someone who plays flute, I can actually answer that question. Let's listen to the solo that Jack is asking about. (laughs) So that is an old trick, uh, not necessarily invented by Ian Anderson, but definitely popularized by him. That's kind of a vocalizing flute thing where you can vocalize through or over a flute. Uh, Other players like Rasan Roland Kirk, really amazing multi-instrumentalist jazz player, would do this kind of stuff. And uh, it's basically what you're doing is you're blowing across the flute to play it, right? Like you're blowing across a beer bottle or something. And um, as you do that, you kind of make a sound with your vocal cords, which are normally not really doing anything. Okay, so I've got my flute here, check it out. So I can play something like that and that's just normal flute playing. And when I play it, it just sort of sounds like I'm playing flute. But if I kind of go underneath that, you know, I'm blowing across the flute. I'm not really blowing into it. Um, Flute, like I said, is like a beer bottle. You're blowing across it. So if I just, instead of going to blow, I go kind of like that, you know, up high, you get a sound that sounds like this. So it adds this kind of really crazy sounding I'm kind of doing that while blowing across the flute. So it's not exactly a multi-phonic, but it's kind of two different sounds. That's something that Ian Anderson does a lot and it gives him that kind of really rocking sound. So, you can hear his voice in there. You know, this is just called vocalizing, and you can do this on saxophone. You can do this, a lot of woodwind players will do this. Anytime you hear a rock saxophone player, they'll kind of be sometimes kind of singing through their horn, and it gives them that extra kind of sound like he will go Ooh, and it just adds an amount of sort of extra vibration to your sound actually here's a great example just from the last episode um, masato honda the alto sax player who plays the solo on tank from cowboy bebop on his solo break when he goes up to the high note he does a vocalization through his horn you can actually hear it he's like Ooh, in the background of the note while the note is ringing out check it out It's really hard to hear unless you know what you're listening for. You, it's almost like you can just hear the air being tensely kind of held back by his vocal cords. And actually vocalization is really hard on my vocal cords compared to actual singing. It's really like kind of tense. So Ian Anderson did that a lot. And there's always kind of a balance, especially with flute, which is kind of a really light instrument. You can overdo it and make it so you hear your voice more than you hear the flute. He kind of keeps the balance where the flute is jumping out. It's also a little bit higher up, but you can hear his voice there in the background. So then when he does that really wild sounding thing um, that Jack is asking about, he, uh, he totally flips the balance and it's almost all his voice. So all he's really doing is he's going... He was like making a weird sound like that, but he's doing it over a flute, so it's a little more like and it just gives it this really unhinged wild sound where his voice suddenly just jumps out. Um, I love this kind of stuff. I love when Rasán Roland Kirk does it too. Like sometimes he'll talk to his flute. He'll go like, "What'd you say?" and then he'll play something on the flute while he's kind of yelling. And it gets the voice involved in a way that a lot of instruments actually can't do. It's one of the distinct th- things about rock flute that I think is really cool. Like you like I was saying you can do it on saxophone, but it's not as transparent. You don't hear the voice as much because the horn is in your mouth. You're kind of it's like a more vocal sound to be With because the flute is kind of so light and airy, when you're kind of shouting behind it, you really hear the shouts too, and it gives the instrument this very human sound that can be very exciting and kind of intense. Oh man, Jethro Tull, super good band!
0: So, there we have it Kirk Hamilton breaking it down about the mechanical workings of the flute, and specifically with this song, Nick, what a treat! Thank you so much for bringing that in.
1: Yeah, I highly suggest everybody swing on over to Strong Songs, check them out. Um, sometimes he does completely random songs that you never heard of, but it's still, it's super informative. And I wish I knew more about music and he really kind of makes it easily digestible. It's really cool.
0: I wish you knew more
1: about music too, Nick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and just, uh, just, one other thing. He mentions Roland Kirk, who, yep. Omen. Yes. Who is Roland Kirk? He's the guy who
0: wrote "Cat Squirrel," "Serenade to a Cuckoo," "Serenade to a Squirrel," <laughs> "Cat's Cuckoo," "Cat's Cuckoo Squirrel." We'll be right back after <laughs> these messages.
1: <laughs> yeah! Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Little little snippet. Uh, that's all I have to contribute musically.
0: Yeah, I think that wraps it up musically. Okay. I think that I'm a little bit nervous to get into the lyrics. Yeah. Here. Ooh.
1: Yeah. Ooh, boy. Because they are, they are, they're filthy. Before we even get into the meaning, the actual yeah. content. Okay. The word choices. Just the word mm. choices. Give me an example. The little phrases. Yeah. A leching gray. Robin Hood of Highgate.
0: Yeah. You know what? I have a slight theory. Please. I think that the reason that we find so much kind of complicated language in this song is because the content is so sexual and extreme that I feel like it's almost done in a bit of code in places.
1: He tried to... Class Something it up a little bit? Yeah. Or,
0: or obscure it or soften the blow or, or do it in a way that you couldn't... It's harder to directly say, oh my gosh, you're saying this. Funny story about a leching gray. She'd rather make it with a, a leching gray. Make it with is, of course, a euphemism for to
1: make whoopee. Bake pies together. They make it together. It's... Um, it's the sex of... All of the songs up until this point, where you've been like, Nick, is this about sex? And I've been no, like, this eh, one... I can see it, I guess, maybe. Yeah. This one is, yeah, like 100%. This one is
0: so about sex. I used to think that that lyric was, She'd rather make it with electric rain.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. She'd rather watch Blade Runner then? Is that? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> I would. Oh, never. I don't need to see that again.
0: <laughs> so, so Nick, just just let's have it out. Let's get down to Brass Wax. What is the song about?
1: It is about a very very, very young <laughs> sex. sex. It's about a very very young prostitute. Yeah. As as that is as boiled down that is as bullion cube as you will get with this song.
0: And yet, I feel that she is more. Okay, let me let me be careful about what I say because I was about to say she's more than a prostitute. And that's and that implies that a prostitute isn't isn't much is
1: less than yeah
0: right. And of course, sex work is work, and sex workers deserve our support and and rights as anyone else. But in this case, I feel like this character Cross-eyed Mary is. While she is a prostitute, she is also in a way a a symbol of hope for the community and what am I trying to say she's she is the she has a real a real role in the community of this song, yeah, she's deeply embedded in the community which which I'm sure a lot of sex workers are
1: and they're embedded in her oh my. <laughs> but,
0: but there's, something, there's something heroic there's something really and that's what I think makes this song so intriguing and indeed this album so intriguing we've just heard Aqualong where it's sort of talking about the the, the nobility or the um, the uniqueness of this, of this homeless person and now we are talking about the, the heroism and the kind of epic life story of this extremely young prostitute
1: yeah. If, if Aqualung, although all of the, the whole band has sworn that Aqualung is not, is not a concept album. Right. Most people, most people who are not Jethro Tull say otherwise, that the first half is about this kind of homeless community or these homeless people, this this other side of society, and then the second half is about religion, which aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. But again, it's been stated that there there are very loose thematic elements that tie a right. few of the songs together, and that's the extent of it.
0: Right. And as we see, Aqualung, the character, makes an appearance in yeah. the song Cross-Eyed Mary, which yeah. is amazing. You know what? To me, it... it, it... You know, we can talk concept album, not concept album, and it's you know it sort of is is about intent versus perception. There, sure. If if they didn't intend it to be a concept album, then that's that. And if we say it's a concept album because we see a concept on it, that's that. But I do sort of feel like it does exist within a world. It, oh, sure. It reminds sure. me a little, a little bit of um, you know, when you listen to uh, is mine my cock. Beep, beep. I'm unfamiliar. Who's the artist who's the artist that I'm thinking of, Nick? Uh He sounds like this. Tom Waits. It's sort of like when you listen to a Tom Waits album and you know, some of some of Tom Waits' albums clearly are concept albums and some of them are not, but yeah.
1: each of them conjures a specific world. They share a universe.
0: Yeah, and this album very much exists within yeah. the universe and it is a fun, crazy universe.
1: And honestly, What it boils down to is it's the universe of Ian Anderson's head. Yeah. We know full well from many accounts that he was very affected by the homeless situation at this time, which inspired several songs. And we know he's always been about commenting on religion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to varying degrees. So it's just it's just what spoke to Ian and what he needed to put voice to.
0: And he's always had this amazing ability, like a lot of great artists, to weave the real world into their work. And I, you know, who knows what he saw in Highgate. It's also really funny because Highgate, you know, we're talking about this, we're talking about this sort of like desperate, squalid world. But she's the Robin Hood of Highgate. The area that that he's talking about in the song in London is sort of a very well-to-do, quaint, posh neighborhood where, you know, kids... Children, parents take their children to like feed the ducks at the pond huh. type thing.
1: Was it not always like that? Did it get cleaned up? Do you think?
0: Probably. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's changed over time, but yeah, who knows? I I don't know what it was like in the 70s.
1: But yeah, I mean, New York City used to be like a, oh yeah, a dumpster Time's, fire. Times Square yeah. was
0: was where the the porn houses and the prostitutes were. And yeah, now it's and now it's the Disney Store and uh, and Muji. No, sorry, not Muji. Uniqlo.
1: So, uh, still prostitution, then, huh? Ooh. There it is. There it is.
0: <laughs> so let's let's get specific with this.
1: This is the the first song that we've had where I want to like go line for line and talk about it, just because of how much I really like the language in this.
0: Who would be a poor man, a beggar man, a thief? If he had a rich man in his hand. Nick, interpretation.
1: The he is the rhetorical he. It's obviously talking about cross-eyed Mary or, or a right, prostitution. Right, right, right. Or any of us. You wouldn't necessarily be poor or a beggar or a thief if you have physically, literally have a man in your hand.
0: Or more broadly, have the opportunity to to experience life otherwise.
1: Right. No yeah, one yeah, yeah.
0: would no one would be poor if they had the opportunity to exploit the rich. Yeah. And that's the thesis. A
1: rich man in your hand being just you have him in the palm of your hand. Well, a
0: rich man in your hand is worth two in your bush. Yeah. Cross-eyed Mary goes jumping in again. She signs no contracts, but she always plays the game.
1: Yep, she keeps going back. There's no actual business transaction, quote-unquote, official business transaction, but she...
0: Oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What's the game? It's sex.
1: It's sex, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Nick, what's the next line? She dines in Hampstead Village on expense-accounted gruel, and the jackknife barber drops her off at school.
0: Oh, Nick, I'm glad you I'm glad you asked me about this one. Mm -hmm. I was waiting (laughs) expense accounted gruel. So that's like you go into a restaurant. You have whatever you want. and You say, put it on my tab. (laughs) Yeah. So that's 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 to me where it's like she's a known member of the community and she gets what she wants
1: because people know who she is and people know who she is. Or 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 the the rich John's pay pay the bill. Also that. Yeah. It's their expense account. Oh, could be. Yeah. Could be.
0: Oh, I see. She walks into the fancy restaurant and she says, "With put it on. With her John. Or without. Put it on Mr. Barlow's. Oh. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Who knows? Depends on the restaurant, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Now, the jackknife barber. A jackknife barber is a term for someone who performs illegal abortions. Yep drops her off at school yeah that oh my Ew. god those two those that two is, together oh that is so hard it's oh. so it's so extreme it
1: is it's so raw and real and it it just it is such a kick
0: it's a great contrapoint of images juxtaposition of of concepts and thoughts
1: aye, aye, aye. yeah hearing it for the first time you think oh why would he be dropping her off at school and then you have to think, mm-hmm. why? Oh, is, is it her dad? Is that why? Mm, uh, in, a, in a way.
0: Yeah. Laughing in the playground gets no kicks from little boys. Would rather make it with a leching gray. Yep.
1: Nick. Yeah. The innocent play of childhood is is gone to her. If she's going to be wasting her time, she might as well be doing it making money.
0: Right. But there's also an element here which I think, I think speaks to the the heroic side of of this, which is that this is a person who is beyond her, beyond her situation mentally and 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 in terms of her aspirations.
1: Oh yeah, she's she had to grow up a long time ago.
0: But but it's but it's also a choice. She doesn't she doesn't care about these little idiots on her playground. Oh okay. She is involved with adult life by choice. Hmm. Okay. It's interesting to her. She'd rather make it with a, a lechen gray. Okay. I think that I think that there's the there's the financial component, but I think that there is a a level of interest. It's I think it's clear that it's her choice. I mean it's this is not the sad story about a sex trafficked girl who has been forced into this life. Okay. Cross-Eyed Mary is a self-empowered woman.
1: I posit. I I see where you're coming from. I don't have enough proof to to fully back that, I think. All right. Well, let's keep going. Or maybe her attention is drawn by Aqualung, who watches through the railings as they play.
0: See the previous episode in this podcast series. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Cross-eyed Mary finds it hard to get along. She's a poor man's rich girl, and she'll do it for a song.
0: Now, that confuses me a little bit, a poor man's
1: rich girl. Does that mean that she's she's generous? To the other poor folk, she has a lot to give.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And either she has the pay, or I also read a theory to go further down, She's the rich man's stealer, but her favor is good and strong. She's the Robin Hood of Highgate, helps the poor man get along. She charges the rich guys as much as she can. Mm. And either she helps out financially with the poor people or she gives herself away.
0: Wow. Yeah. it's It's intriguing. It's a very dirty, <laughs> visceral high color saturated dark song that we're talking about here, Nick. Yeah. And
1: I like it. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. It's got the combination of some really graphic and shocking poetry in terms of lyrics and some yeah. just killer music to go with it.
0: I, I'm glad that you said poetry because I, I, I totally agree. I think that this this is the poetry of Ian Anderson coming to the forward and he's doing he's giving us what poetry should give us which is shocking images that yeah yank us into the present moment
1: that move us that make us think i think this is one of the the first instances where his songwriting is is just so good it's just it's it's taken just like the flute just like the voice his his song voice his his narrator voice Yes. Is his writing is, his writing has reached a new level in this album. Yeah.
0: We have arrived. Yeah. We've arrived at tull minus zero.
1: And that is all of those factors together are why this album is when when you mention Jethro Tull to someone, they know the Aqualung album.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As well they should.
1: Yeah. Who Nick. Mercy. What else do we have to say about Cross-eyed Mary? Oh gosh, I just I I feel like I'm just going to continue to praise it in very general terms. Yeah, I I yeah. highly recommend. I highly highly even though we we just basically read the the entire song. I highly recommend you guys listen to it and follow along with the lyrics. It it makes a heck of a difference. It really does. It sure does. <laughs> I thought so, anyway.
0: Nick. Omen. If this song were a car, what kind of car would it be? Oh. And why? Oh. A car. Yeah. Internal combustion. I think or is it?
1: I think it would be a low-end hybrid. Really? Yeah. Why? Practical. Okay. Without too many bells and whistles. Okay. As much as as much eco-conscience as you can afford. Go on. But it's still not the solution. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? Um. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. What were you looking for? What was the answer you were looking oh, for? I, I don't know. I know the answer I would give. It, which is?
0: 1971 Monte Carlo <laughs> by Chevy. But with like, but like. We, that like it needs a bit of work, but it, the engine is, still runs real strong. You know the Monte Carlo was like the it was like the little cousin, the little brother of the um of the Camaro, okay. it was like a it was like a sports car for people who couldn't afford the Camaro,
1: yeah, 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 yeah okay i I think we just gave the exact same answer, honestly,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did, Wow. Yeah. And so I think we should end like the song does by simply saying, Cross eyed Mary.
1: Yeah, I think that is very appropriate.
0: Nick, what are we listening to next week?
1: Next week is a very nice little acoustic number. Ooh, cheap day return. Sassy. Yeah, just a great, a great, beautiful one of the first of the the several in this album. Really nice little acoustic numbers. Cheap day return.
0: We are looking forward to it. And Joe H., we are looking forward to accompanying your ride back home. Get home safe.
1: Until next week, don't go Mm cross-eyed going to iTunes if you're not ready. Just prepare yourself. When you're ready, hop over there, leave us a review, drop us some stars, send us an email. We love to hear your thoughts on specific songs. Uh, how you got into Tull. I'm, I'm super. What did Jesse call it? First contact. What was your first contact for Tull? Love those stories. I really do. We love them. Tell me your first and... contact. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. I will try to remember. Rate us always. down on iTunes. <laughs> Five stars. Until then, I am Omen Say. And I am Nick McGill. We are Feckless Moans. And this is Talk Tall to Me. Excuse me, (laughs) can you... do you... Are you going into that that Tesco over there um yeah yeah i am could could you could you pick something up for me
0: uh you know what yeah sure what what do you what do you need what do you need man i
1: could i could really i could really use a podcast right about now are you serious come you on. have
0: anything from that store and you want a podcast come on
1: man i just I, I if i if I wanted an audiobook, I'd go in and take it i just I just really need a podcast <laughs> right now.
0: All right, all right, you're you're right. I hope that podcast keeps you warm
1: tonight. <laughs> J- could you get me a talk to hold me?
0: <laughs> Just because it's Christmas Eve, dude.
1: <laughs> Just because it's Christmas
0: Eve.